Thank you. You may be seated. Oh, enjoyed you singing. Did you enjoy singing that? Man, that's fun. Good. Join the choir. <laughs> welcome to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. I'm Dwayne Stroud. I'm the worship pastor here. We just want to welcome you to our church. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad you're here. And we want to invite you to fill out this Connect card. It's in the back of the pew in front of you. And you can fill that out. And, of course, we would love for you, anybody, to fill out a prayer request, and uh, so we can pray for you tomorrow. You can put these in the kiosks on the uh, way out, all right? Of course, part of our worship every week is to be able to worship through giving, and so we want to give you that opportunity today. Of course, you can put your offering in the kiosk. You can text uh, LLBC to 73256, or you can give online as a part of your worship. We get to celebrate baptism this morning. Aren't you excited? Praise the Lord. So let's... Draw our attention up there as we celebrate baptism. Well, good morning. Welcome in to Lindsay Lane. Good to see everybody today. As Dwayne said, we get to kick off another service uh, with baptism. This is Jordan Embry. Come on down, Jordan. 
Jordan is a little nervous, and, and I told her I'm glad to hear that because I know that, that means it means something to her. Amen? So would y'all encourage her this morning, let her know how proud of you are. We are. Jordan, we are truly proud of you. This is a big deal, and it was just a, a short time ago. We are standing preaching the gospel. Uh, Jordan called the church and contacted us uh, soon after and knew the Lord was working on her heart. And she wanted to respond and, and be saved. And so she came and she met with Greg and Carla Wise. And, uh, and she prayed to receive Christ right there in his office. And so we thank God for what he's doing in the life of our church and the life of young people like Jordan. And so, Jordan, have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Yes, sir. Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Off to a good start. Amen. Off to a good start. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for how you continue to work. Lord, when that, when we, we think that we don't know what's going on or what you're doing, we have this picture right in front of us of how you continue to work across the hearts and minds of people. So, Lord, we want to hear from you today. God, we invite you to, to be in your church and pray that your spirit would preside over this place. And we pray that you would speak to our heart and mind, for we're here because we need to hear from you. Lord, we're also here because we should worship you. So, Lord, I pray today as we stand and we sing that we would do so with great purpose, that we would reflect, even as we sing, Lord, we would reflect of what you are doing in the world, what you've done in our own life. And Lord, I thank you again for how you put this people together and pray, oh God, you'd use us for a great work for your glory. Thank you for Jordan. I pray, oh God, as she begins her next steps of discipleship, that even this baptism would stir the hearts of, of our people. Lord, it would stir the heart of another that needs to be baptized or another that needs to be discipled, another that needs to be saved. Lord, that you would use this, Father, for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. God's presence is in this place, and he is worthy of our praise, complete and utter surrender and obedience to him. And we're going to sing that Christ be magnified. Were creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one then from north to south and east to west, we hear Christ be magnified.
How many of you remember singing that earlier in your life or a song like that? Amen? Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will only give you rest. By trusting in His Word, only trust Him, only trust Him, only trust Him now. He will save you, He will save you, He will save you now. Amen. Amen. The Bible says to sing a new song. Sometimes those old songs, you can sing them new again. Amen. Lord, I thank you for songs of worship. And I thank you, Lord, for putting that hymn on my heart and my life. And Lord, we desperately need you. For those who are apart from you. May your spirit make it so plain how we are apart and how much we need you. Lord, for, for those who know you, Lord, would you do a new work in our life? Lord, I pray today that our singing has not just been singing, but that it's been worship. As we talk today about what it truly means to respond to you in worship, God, that that we would not just be about worship in this moment, but that we would leave with it in our actions and our attitudes. Thank you, O oh God, for who you are. Thank you, O oh Lord, for being so mighty and so matchless. And God, thank you for making a way for us to know you, for us to have a right relationship with you. And God, may we never get over it. And if we don't understand how deep and wide your love is, that today we would understand it for the first time 
or again for the first time in a long time. In Jesus' name, amen. Spiritual disciplines is where we are. This is the final sermon in a series of sermons called Rhythms. As the church, Lindsay Lane, that is the main campus, north campus, east campus, as we have been looking at spiritual disciplines all together for a month now, we finally finish this sermon series today on worship. Wednesday night will actually be the finish to our Wednesday night series that is Rhythms, and we'll talk about evangelism. And everybody wants to show up to an evangelism message. Amen? So, so come Wednesday night and hear that. We, we've also just sung about hope for the nations. And while I've got you here, and I'm so thankful that you are, I want to remind you next Sunday is our mission celebration. And it's also our give-to-go missions offering as we uh, welcome in uh, eight featured missionary partners that are a part of our uh, overall partnerships here at Lindsay Lane. But we welcome in eight featured partnerships, and we are going to introduce them to you all day long as, as being a part of your groups. And we want to um, emphasize the nations on, on Sunday, really every Sunday, uh, but we will also take up that give-to-go missions offering as we look forward to going to our missionary partners and supporting them and, and being a church that is missional, that we don't mind moving and we don't mind talking about giving to move, and, and we look forward to next Sunday. And if, you, if you're here today, I want to make sure you're here next Sunday, amen, because it's a big deal and a big day uh, next Sunday. But today we're going to look at worship in the scriptures as a spiritual discipline, as something that is taught repeatedly, exemplified repeatedly, something that is instructed in the scripture for the purpose of being a worthy servant of Jesus Christ. And, wor and worship certainly includes singing, but it is not limited to singing. Oftentimes when we think about how to worship God, we think about the worship service. We ask the question, where do you worship? And so while worship is a part of, of the expression of our voices, it's mainly an act and an attitude that we carry out all the time. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 11 and 12 today, the last verse of 11 and the first two verses of 12. As you're turning, turning to Romans chapter 11 and 12, I'll begin to read and we're going to take off. Actually, maybe I should turn there in my Bible as well. <laughs> Romans 11, 36, 12, 1 and 2. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to invite you today to be discipled. In truth, these, these few verses, and I don't think that, that discipleship happens in the best way in the sanctuary on Sundays, but I think it's definitely a way if you're here all the time over time. But as we are teaching God's Word today, and I invite you to get in a group and even into a discipleship group that will help you continue your discipleship, 
there is true foundations in what we are about to study from the scriptures based on what worship looks like as a part of our spiritual disciplines. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36, the scripture says, For everything comes from him, exists by his power, is intended for his glory, all glory to him forever. Amen. The Apostle Paul, basically in that one verse, has reached a conclusion after saying a bunch of other verses, and he is just caught up in God. He is excited to, to bring this to a conclusive statement, all glory to him forever. If you look back in chapter 11, he's been explaining the mercy of God to everybody. And about everybody, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he explains uh, from, from one to another how God had, had chosen a people, and then some of those people chose him back, and some of those people rejected him, and then he chose another people that would make the other people want him more. And if you're thinking to yourself, that doesn't make any sense, that's where Paul got to. It is such a beautiful mystery, O oh God, that your mercy and your plan to redeem everybody is for everybody. And as he makes that kind of statement, he gets to this verse 36 where he goes, You know what? At the end of the day, everything comes from him, is just by him, and all glory to him. Amen. That's the kind of statement that Paul makes because he has got to this place where he thinks about it all. Have you ever gotten to that place where you think about all of it? How God made you, made you at this time in history, how God's given you organs that are working inside of you that you don't even know how they work, but you're alive and well. And then you recognize in your spirit on the immaterial part of you that you're a sinner and you need God as you've heard the truth of the gospel. And then you begin to think how big God could value little old me to the point where he would give of himself and give up his son so that we might have eternal life, so we might have heaven. And not just, not just heaven, but eternal life, like forever and ever and ever. We don't have to worry about existence. We don't have to worry about what happens next because God has already taken care of that. And he loves us. God loves us. And he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to involve himself with us, but he does. And when I think about it all, all glory to him. All glory to God. I have a neighbor, a friend of our family that when you begin a spiritual conversation with him, you'll talk about things like church and talk about things like serving. But then every time you begin to talk to him, he begins to turn the conversation about what God has done for him. And he'll do something like this. And whenever I think about God loving me enough to send his son to die for me, for me, that he'll get to this place where he gets caught up in it all and he will get to the glory of God. Praise God. As Paul is explaining the depth of this wisdom and knowledge of God, he asks two questions. Verse 34, he says, who knows enough to give him advice? And then in verse 35, he says, who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Have you ever had anybody give you something in your life or give you so much in your life that when you think about the gift that they've given you, there's no way in your thoughts and by your will that you could actually pay them back? Have you ever had somebody to do something for you so good that, that there was no way that in an instance you could actually do something back to them that would equal the measure of what they poured out to you? And then you get to this place where you think to yourself, you know, all I can do is from the bottom of my heart say thank you because there's no way I can pay you back. Well, y'all, that's worship. That's what worship is. That when you realize the price has been paid for your sin, we realize that heaven is not something we can work for because no matter how good we think we are, we know exactly who we are in our sin. 
that we reach this place that there's no way that we could... The Bible says, who knows enough to give him advice? Well, nobody. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? You see, in that verse, it doesn't mean that you can't give anything to him. You can. You just can't give enough to pay him back. And so with this, when we get caught up in all of this that God has done for us, the appropriate response is not to try to work till we gain his favor and make sure that we have salvation. It's to respond in worship. To tell God, thank you. And this is the point. You see, today, if you are wondering about heaven... And if you are wondering whether or not you will be there, I want you to hear me. God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. God did for Jordan what Jordan could not do for herself. He made a way a long time ago for, for God to be involved to the point where he would provide a way through his son Jesus by his mercy and grace to die a death that we deserve, but we couldn't do it for us or others. And because of the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ, we have a way to not only have heaven, but have right standing on earth before God. To be able to get up in the morning, know we're right with God, and we got purpose moving forward. Jesus died for our sins. There's no way that we can pay God back. And we can't give God enough to match His gift. So because of this, all glory to God. And this is the basis for our, our scripture teaching today. And all of this sets up the table for our personal instruction as we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, because of this is what that means, because of all glory to God, and because of everything we just explained, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind that he will find acceptable. This is really the way to worship him. This is how you worship God. Now, if you notice in the scripture, it said, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let's, let's talk about sacrifice as we pick up on that discipleship part. And we need to understand our faith. And we need to understand how the whole Bible works together so that we can explain it to others. Amen? And so as we look at that word sacrifice, God saves through the system of sacrifice. Not the requirement of work, but the system of sacrifice. Now, let's connect the dots here. Throughout the Old Testament, he made a way for the forgiveness of sin and right standing for those who were his people through the blood sacrifice of specified animals. Hebrews 9, 22. Under the law, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Y'all listen to me. This was God's way... For a time, and by that I mean through the blood sacrifice of animals, it, this was his way of forgiveness for a time. Sin is so serious that life itself is required for its forgiveness. Y'all didn't hear that, or you did, and it hit you like it hit me. Sin itself is so serious that life, that blood, is required under God for its forgiveness. You see, the things we're looking at, the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're doing, it's not just something that we write off and go, well, everybody does it. No, the, the lifeblood paid for that sin. It's a big deal. But the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan was not an animal. The ultimate fulfillment of God's plan of forgiveness and right standing was the blood of His Son, the spotless Lamb of God, the perfect one. 
And the scripture says in Hebrews 9, 14, and if you want to mark this in your Bible, this is a Trinitarian verse. This is a Trinity verse that mentions the Godhead. And this is what it says. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ himself offered to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. So this is it. Not, not a temporary placeholder. When Jesus paid the price, it was paid in full. So we don't have to look forward for God to do anything else because the price for all sin has been paid through Jesus. Stop looking for other stuff. Is Jesus going to do anything else? My word, just accept what's been done for you. So the sacrifice for our sin has been accomplished under the grand plan of God. Old Testament was for a time. New Testament is for all time. But there is another sacrifice, but it's not a sacrifice for salvation. It's sacrifice in response. And that is what we're looking at today. Verse 1 says, give your bodies to God. This is truly the way to worship Him. This is the dedication of total person, all of us, all of our will, to live for God's honor and response to salvation. Y'all, that is truly the way to worship God. Is singing a part of it? You bet it is. But it's just a part of it as it comes from our mouth and our voice as we are to give all of ourselves to God in response to what he's done for us. One of my favorite movies growing up was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Kevin Costner and all that, right? Random, I know, I know. But when seeking for illustrations, this is where I landed. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The movie begins with, with Robin Hood as a prisoner in the Great Crusades. And then he frees a fellow prisoner from his own demise. He frees him. They leave together. And then as a response to what's been done for him, the fellow prisoner pledges his life to Robin Hood until he has paid that debt back. He could have gone home and gone his way, shackles freed, and thought, man, thank you so much, I'm going to see my family. Man, thank you so much, I'm going back to my people. Man, thank you, and done all these things. But the vow that he took was to protect him and to defend his life, to give back what's been given to him for the rest of his days. This is truly the way to worship. This is truly the way to show that you adore and that you are grateful. And if today you would agree with me that God is our creator and our redeemer, the reason we have life now and the reason we have life eternal, then it's reasonable to conclude we must give to him that which is due. And church, that which is due is everything. And that's how big it is. Is everything. And Christian, this is not in sentiment only. It's not just saying, oh yeah, man, God's got all of us. No, we're not talking about talking about it. We're talking about being about it. Where he has us as a living, walking, talking instrument of righteousness and message of salvation to others looking on. That when people see us, they see a walking illustration of God's mercy. They see a living sacrifice, somebody that has given their life away. So that God would have life in them. I want you to think about as we picture that, that animal being led to the slaughter as a sacrifice for sin. Everybody's eyes on that animal as it made its way to the altar where they would would drain its blood and lay it down. And it's a gross picture because sin is serious. And I want you to think about that animal and the visual that you have in your head. 
It became an instrument of God's way in the world. And when everybody saw that animal, they saw its purpose. That before man, it would be for the glory of God and for the good of man, for the forgiveness of sins. Y'all, this is now our call. But it's not to be a dead animal. It's to be a living and holy sacrifice. That's how it all fits together. That what God did for us in the Old Testament is a, a temporary placeholder for sin. That we are now not to be dead. We're to be living. But in a way that we give our life up for His message and because of the righteousness in us. Let me ask us all a question. How is it that our life is being given away for the glory of God? What time, gifting, hope do you have that you are giving away for God's glory as a living and holy sacrifice? You see, this is now our call. And not just what we do, but how we do it. As we continue to understand this, living sacrifice makes me think of the life of a soldier. It's still September, 20 years ago, after 9-11 shook our nation. Many responded at that time for a call to action. In fact, after the terrorist attacks, over 180,000 men and women enlisted in active duty service. I've read that in, in, in this time in history, of military history, those who enlisted were thrust from basic training to mountains and streets of foreign enemy territories quickly. I talked to a, a man in our congregation just last week that, that said he turned down an athletic and a collegiate opportunity to go and serve our country in the armed forces directly after and as a result of 9-11. See, this is the living sacrifice picture that I want you to understand. The following is written to describe the effort as soldiers and, and teenagers, teenagers, will you listen to what I'm about to read to you? Young folks, will you listen to what I'm about to read to you? As we are talking about onward Christian soldiers, as, as those who are enlisted in the army of God, I want you to hear the first thing that this army representative wrote about those that were enlisted into service. He says, as soldiers, we sacrifice our youth. What are we waiting on? To get older? We waiting to hit a certain age where we start serving God? I can say the same thing to young adults. Well, when our kids leave the house, we get our priorities. Give me a break. How long are we going to wait? Read Ecclesiastes. Read Proverbs. It talks about you're going to wait till the silver strand is broken and the cord snaps. I'm paraphrasing that. And sometimes I'm not even understanding the picture of the language. But I get it. You're going to wait and you're going to wait and you're going to wait. And the scripture says that a, a farmer that's waiting for perfect weather, he never plants. So we're just going to wait and wait. And the picture of a living sacrifice, this, this author that's writing this, this piece about a soldier says, As soldiers, we sacrifice our youth. They gave it away. Said, both in body and spirit, we sacrifice, listen to this, families. We sacrifice time with our spouses and children. That's what soldiers do. And you know, we talk about, we talk about the livelihood and the health of a, a family serving God together. But our family did not die for us. That's hard to take and hard to preach on. Our spouses, our children, they did not make a way for our salvation or anybody else's. And so we have to figure out a way to become living and holy sacrifices of our time and our talents and our careers and our purpose together for the glory and the only glory that matters. He, he went on to say many times we struggle 
to understand the value of sacrifice and how we fit into the bigger picture of greater good, having more questions than answers. You know, that's the thing. Somebody that joins the military probably has all of these questions about, I don't even know what my life's going to look like, and so and so. They're just trusting the enlistment. They're just going for it. They give up their life, and for a picture that is the greater good. Y'all know, I don't think I've ever met a United States soldier who has ever just talked the talk. They all walk it out. Never met one that just talks about it and the other guys around them are going like, don't listen to this dude. He don't know what he's talking about. They all are sacrificing. And being a soldier is, is more about preserving human dignity and helping those who can't help themselves. You see, there's a greater picture to why they do what they do. It's not just for their glory, but it's for the good of somebody else. And the real way to worship God includes singing, but it is certainly not limited to it because according to Romans 12, 1, the reasonable way to worship God is just giving ourselves over to Him. All of us. As a soldier would give himself to the service. We need to stop thinking about our Christianity as seasonal volunteers and begin to think of our Christianity as full-time soldiers who just give away their life. They give away their will, their wishes, and their time for the glory. For the glory. So what does this mean practically for us? Practically, and I have to think about this for myself, practically, Christians, this means that we need to think more about fasting than we think about feasting. It means that we need to think more about obedience than we do pleasure. It means we need to think more about serving than we do consuming. This is truly the way to worship God, that we give ourselves away. And y'all, I thought about this specifically for myself. The application for me, personally, as I thought about this this week, is whatever I'm doing now and whatever I'm being now, I can do and be more. Because the reasonable way to worship God is all of ourselves. Every day is an individual worship service where our movements and our moments are dedicated to the Lord or not. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, as we approach the, the final verse today, says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I want you to think after hearing that statement, how many of us won't change? And by that, nobody wants this corporate change we've all gotten used to, but I think everybody in here would desire change in their life at some level at some point. And Scripture says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So change of our body and our whole life to become a living sacrifice starts in our head. It starts in our mind, changing the way that we think. And it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Y'all, this world does not worship God. The world does not worship God. The world, and when we speak of the world, this is, a, again, discipleship. When we speak of the world, this is collective culture. And the world as a whole is separate from the Father because of sin. Separate from God because of sin. And when that, this is what the Bible says about the world. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world and caused death to rule over many. That's how serious it is. But did y'all hear that? I love the way when the Bible words it like this. It caused death to rule over many. Not all, because death don't rule over me, because I know Jesus. 
And if you know Jesus, death doesn't rule over you. But when sin entered the world, sin caused death to rule over many. Those who are outside of the will of God, it's death that rules over them. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says that while we are children of God, that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. That's how serious culture and how, how we need to look at it in our worldview. The world around us, the Bible says, is under the control of the evil one. The Bible says this world that we live in, in 1 John, this is what it says in 1 John chapter 2. The world that we live in can make you an offer, but it cannot fulfill you. It can offer you the things that you are looking at on your phone that look so awesome, but it cannot fulfill you because even if you get those things, even if you get those things, then there's going to be another craving that comes after that because it can make an offer, but it cannot fulfill. An offer for what? A craving for pleasure, possessions, and pride because the world is fading away. And because it's fading away, it cannot fulfill you. So if the world is fading away, if it's under control of the evil one, if the world has sin and riddled with sin, causing death to rule over many, this is the instruction from the Word of God. Don't fall in love with it. I said this before in a recent message. Live in the world and light it up, but don't fall in love with it. So after Paul instructs us to worship God with our whole lives, he'll tell us how this begins. It begins in our minds. The behaviors and customs of the world. That's what the Bible says. The behaviors and customs of the world. These are not shaped by a holy God. The behaviors and customs of the world are shaped by a sinful man and the evil ruler that is the enemy of Christ. This is not some sci-fi made up stuff. It's the truth of the word of God. And because you and I live in this world that is shaped by the mind of the enemy and shaped by sinful people, as we live in this world, its influence in us at least will be near us and at most will affect us. Now listen to this. This is an example. Last week, I read the following article on ESPN. Following headline. Over 500 athletes urging Supreme Court to protect abortion rights. Over 500 athletes urging the Supreme Court to protect abortion rights. When you read that article, because you're in the world and in culture... You will be tempted to think this. Wow. 500 athletes. Probably athletes that I know. Some of them may, may like to watch and see on TV. Maybe I should think about what they're thinking about. Why is this article even written at all? It's because they're athletes who entertain that have influence. If anything is a custom in this world, it's sports and entertainment. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this world that is riddled with sin and with the enemy of God at its helm uses something that the world celebrates to distort the truth of God. You see how that works? This is wickedly deceiving. Satan's not a punk now. He knows exactly what he's doing. You see how this works? Instead of hunting down conspiracy theories, church. Instead of hunting down these, these theories about who's in control and all these things, we need to identify spiritual deception. There's no secret group running the world. The Bible tells you exactly who it is. It's the evil one. That's what the Bible says. And the evil one is a master of deception. 
In other words, he's a master at playing with your mind and getting your mind wrapped up in all kinds of unbiblical and extra-biblical things to get your attention off of what the truth of God is for our way in the world. Eve was deceived. The same way in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy 2.14 is deceived. You can look at it in Genesis. So you'll read and go, 500 athletes, 500 signatures for legalizing abortion, 500 of them from important people, that's a lot. No, it's not. Y'all, we can get 500 signatures to go against that today before we leave. From important people just like they are. But this is how the world works. It wants you to see a big number. It wants you to see how everybody's thinking that way. But guess what? They're not. And I don't ever want you to hear a a message that involves this and think to yourself that if you have gone through an abortion and you're here today, there is likely things that you're thinking over in your heart and mind. There's probably regret and shame attached and God can make a way for you too. You see, when I think about these things, instead of leaving the world... And instead of just, you know, buying a tiny house and throwing out all your TVs and no papers and social media. If y'all are doing that, then God bless you. I'm just trying to give an example. But instead of, instead of living in the world with this fear and closed off, we just need to know what we believe and light the world up with it. Because if we don't know what we believe, you know what's going to happen? We're going to find ourselves wandering and wandering instead of worshiping. The world will take things that you like to do. And Satan will deceive you into trying to make them lord over you. But rather than just leaving it and taking yourself out, learn to live in it. And light it up for God's glory. And this begins how? With the mind. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Changing the way that we think. I don't know about y'all, that seems like a tall order to me. Changing the way that I think. Years of experiences and teaching and it seems like a really tall order to change the way that I think. But church and parents and grandparents, this is why it's important to train up a child in the way that they should go so they don't have to change much when God gets a hold of them later. Because you've already been instilling what the truth of God is. But changing the way that we think and retraining and reprogramming, that's years of teaching and experience and something that goes against completely the thing that we worship the most, which is ourselves. And so many of us want to change. We want to change, but we're working against ourselves and all the things that we know. Y'all, even if we're saved, we want to get better. Amen? Even if we're saved, we want to grow closer. We want to develop. And the word transform, do not conform to this word, would be transform. The word transform means to change from within. When you call on the Lord to save you, here's discipleship again. When you call on the Lord to save you, He doesn't just declare you right. He gives you His presence to keep you in right. The Spirit of God comes into our life and lives inside of every believer old or young, and the power of transformation within us, according to the Scripture, the Spirit of God convicts us of our sin and of the righteousness of God and the coming judgment. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture. The Holy Spirit 
is the real inside the heart messenger to change your mind. The Holy Spirit of God will tell you and to ask the question, is this true? Or it will tell you in your heart, it's not true. I love to word it like this. The Holy Spirit as messenger in our heart says, don't stop or you shouldn't have. That's the role of the Spirit of God as he represents the interest of God. Christian, are you experiencing that? Don't stop or you shouldn't have. Is that working in your life? Is the Spirit of God drawing you to a closer walk with thee or is the Spirit of God drawing you in, period? Because the Bible says of a Christian in Philippians 2.13, God's Spirit is working in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him, the power. Which means that whole thing about I sin all the time. Well, you're not supposed to and we don't have to because God's Spirit is in us. So if we desire change, and we are up against the behavior and customs of the world in our minds, the question becomes, what do you allow to control your thinking? What are we allowing to control our thinking? Romans 12, 2 says the word let. Look there again, verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that we think. Y'all know what let means. It means to yield. If somebody knocks on your door and you're inside your house, you either let them in or you don't. You either open the door or you don't. You're letting them in to your space or you're not. And God's Spirit, again, when we are making that decision of, hey, what to do and what to go in our mind, is either going, don't stop or you shouldn't have. For the purpose of a closer walk with God. What do we let into our minds? I want to ask you, we looked at this recently. It's so important. What do we let into our minds? And can I give you an obvious example? Let's talk about social media. Some of you are on social media right now, even as I talk. Let's talk about social media. Social media can be used for God's glory, for sure. Amen? It really can. It's a useful tool, useful resource. It can also be very worldly. Culture that is disconnected from God. It can be very, very worldly. It can cause comparison before quick. You look on social media, and all of a sudden, in five seconds, you see what you don't have, what you don't like, what you could have, what other people live like, and how much better it seems for others to have it the way they have it. That can happen in 30 seconds. I wish I was more like that. I wish I had what they have. I wish I could be more in that. And once we improve, here's the thing about it. Let's just say we take that message that's now in our headspace. We improve our looks. We get everything that we wanted. We take a smiling picture and we post those things. And then what? The craving is still there. It's still there. And, and God's word told you it would be. He said it can't fulfill you. All it can do is offer you the craving for everything that you see. I think about in my own life, as I try to put this in real terms for me, when the scripture says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. If I want to worship God with my whole life, what's been a time in my life where God changed the way that I thought so that I would become more like him as a worthy servant of Christ? Can I be honest with you? It's missions for sure. I used to be one of those people, y'all, I was one of those guys that would be like, I'm never leaving the dirt of Limestone County, ever. <laughs> Not going to do it. God bless y'all. If y'all want to get on a plane and be a weird missionary, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm serious. That's, that's the way that I thought. We would have missionaries come and stay in our home when we were a kid. and we, I was glad for them to do it. Just thought to myself, my, my, my grandfather used to, people used to thank him for his service to our country. He served in World War II, and they said, thank you for volunteering. And he said, no, sir, I was drafted. That's what he said. <laughs> I always thought that was great. But he's a patriot, loved the country. But he, he for sure let them know it was not by choosing. I was drafted, and I went. And so for a time, as I began to grow in Christ, the Lord began to show me how much of the Scripture is dedicated to God reaching the nations, and I'm drafted. But let me tell you what God's doing now. In my heart now, God is challenging me to not see it that I've been drafted into the Lord's army to go across cultures on missions. He's kind of causing me to like it. See, so what he's doing in my heart goes against what I thought in my life and in my mind. And that happens when God gets a hold of your head by changing the way that you think. And the way that God changes the way that you think is through his Holy Spirit together with his word. Does the will of God, when we think about the will of God for our life, because it goes on to say that, it says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, and then you will learn to know God's will for you. How many of you want to know God's will? And then you, you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to do something with my life. I just don't know what it is. What is it that I'm going to do with my life? God's will, God's will. Does the will of God, as we think about the first example that we gave, does the will of God have to do with our looks, our possessions, and our happiness? The will of God is for us to be holy. That is the will of God. And for us to live for Him. You can find that in Romans chapter 12. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And when we read the Word of God together with His Spirit, we begin to think about less about comparison and less about the things that we want to do and more about God's will. As we understand the last half of verse 2 that says, Then you will learn when God transforms your mind. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you want a future that's good, pleasing, and perfect? Well, that's the will of God. And you may look at it and think to yourself, like, I don't want to do that. When God changes your mind and your heart, you'll want to do it. But when we find our, or fill our minds with the ways of the world, we'll again find ourselves wandering and wandering instead of worshiping. And what we allow into our headspace conforms us. Gosh, I just wish God would give us something that we could fill our minds with instead. Man, just wish the Lord would have given us a book or something that we... We could look at God's Spirit works together with His Word. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, The Holy Spirit will bring glory, bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. He's our teacher. As God's Spirit works together with God's Word to guide us, the Bible says, into all truth. One theologian put it this way, Reading the Bible has zero effect on our lives apart from the Holy Spirit. And as we read God's Word, and we read God's Word in the Spirit consistently, over time, we will gradually become more spiritually minded, which keeps us in the way of worship. Let me close with this illustration. If you have an iPhone, my, my iPhone is dumb sometimes. It's a dumb phone because it's types word that I didn't mean to. 
And, and sometimes I will text, love y'all, but it says live y'all. Because the I and the O are real close. So when you text love y'all and it says live y'all, you have to go back and you have to change it and you have to do all that, right? Sometimes it's worse than that, right? It's just a good example. But when I begin to think about that, when I, when I put love y'all and it puts live y'all, because the I is next to the O, this is truly the way to worship. Because to love is to live. We are to be a living and holy sacrifice. When God has all of us, that's when we really, really love God. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to invite you to this altar. We have pastors here that would love to talk to you. We have people here that would love to, to listen to you. You can pass right on by us and you can come to this altar and you can pray. But listen, you just saw before you today a, a college student where the, the Spirit of God got a hold of her heart and she knew that she had to do something with it. And so we're here for you. We want to talk to you about that. We want to help you work that through. We can do that now. We can do that this week. But we want to give you this opportunity to make an instant decision right now, to, to come forward and say five words, I need to be saved, and let us help you with it. Or I know I need to be baptized, or we want to join the church, and today's the day. What, what is the response that we would make now that would be a first step towards giving all of ourselves to God? Lord, thank you so much for the work that you've done and the invitation that you give. Lord, I'm grateful that you have spoken to my heart and life today thankful, O oh Lord, for Jesus. And when we wrap our mind around it, it's hard to explain what we know you deserve all glory. And Lord, from the teaching of your word, we understand that you deserve all of us, our whole body, our whole life as an act of worship. And Lord, we desperately need you to change our minds for us to be empowered and disciplined to stop filling our minds with worldly things and to open our minds each day to truth and encouragement and comfort and instruction that comes from you. And Lord, we thank you for this time of invitation and I pray, O oh Lord, that people would be bold now to step forward and freely admit they need a first step towards change. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious is that grace of the Chains are gone, I've been set free, I got my Savior.
thank you for being here today. If you'd be seated just for a moment, we have another final Give to Go video before we leave and then a few announcements. I went on my first mission trip in 1997 to Zambia, Africa. Actually, it was in a little province called Serenzi. I was invited by John Garrison, who was pastor of Southside at the time, and he took three pastors, and we were invited. We could invite somebody from our church. So I took Mike Ladner and Glenn Snyder with me, and we went out in the bush for three weeks. We did three-day revivals. We did three of those in provinces there. Actually, it was out in the bush. It was probably the most strenuous mission trip I've ever been on, but it was also one of the most rewarding. I really enjoyed that uh, Africa and got really got hooked on Africa. That's where I first met Peter Mawila. He was my interpreter, and uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful time there. And so it's one of the memories I'll never forget in Zambia. My first mission trip internationally was to Guatemala in 1999 to uh, work and serve in a large orphanage there. It was really extra special because I got to take our oldest two children with me. Susan was needed back home with our other three, but uh, later on, eventually, we were blessed to be able to start going on international mission trips together. In 2008, I had the privilege of going to Zambia once again with uh, Eric and Susan Pugh. Uh, we went to be with the Haydens there in Livingston. So we went from Johannesburg to Lusaka, all the way down to Livingston. And we had a marvelous time. We went out in the bush again. We went to a place where I don't think any white person's ever been. And so it was a great, great experience for us just to be with Eric and Susan and David and Cynthia to share that experience with someone from our church. It was a glorious time. And I'm telling you, Peter Mawila's with us again, did an excellent job. And uh, Tammy and Joe Hayden were missionaries there that we uh, stayed with some. And, uh, of course, Joe's in heaven now. But we had a great time there with uh, on that mission trip. On that mission trip, Pastor Dusty mentioned uh, the thing that impacted me the most. I guess first I just have to say getting to be with our pastor and his wife and just seeing them uh, in that environment, loving and serving, teaching the beautiful Zambian people and Enduring the heat and the brutal travel and just seeing them out there, just I, I'll never forget that. Um, but also, uh, going to Zambia, Africa is like going to another planet. Uh, there's so many differences, the languages, the music, uh, the animals, the land, and everything's so different. But uh, I was impacted by how similar a lot of things are. The same moon, sky, stars, uh, wind, the children laugh and play, the people laughing. Cry and uh, sin, the same. Uh, repentance is needed there. They uh, worship like we do when they're saved. Uh, well, not the same way, but they uh, they worship with passion, with emotion yeah. and heart. So, I mean, you never forget those kind of things. You know, mission is a big part of Lindsay Lane, of course, over the years, and we've been a part of that internationally, as we just described. But also, home mission is very important locally. You know, we've been a part of a, several things. We started Alcoholics for Christ here at Lindsay Lane back in the day, Celebrate Recovery. We did some of those in-house. And then we we're part of, of course, our local ministries like Save the Life or Women's Resource Center now and Family Resource Center and Alma, uh, FCA, been a part of that, Awana, of course, and just about Rescue Mission, uh, just all kind of ministries here locally that we've been a part of, been able to really come alongside and equip and also encourage 
uh, local missionaries as well. So that's been a joy for me personally, just right here at home to, to do that and uh, celebrate really what God's doing right here in Athens. So. You know, we talk about the second coming of Christ here a lot, but half the world's never heard of the first coming. So we owe that to them, to get that truth out to them. But then uh, we have many, many people around here in our community uh, that have never really heard the good news of the gospel. They've heard about religion. You can tell by the way they say, I'm trying to get to heaven or I hope to get to heaven. And uh, we get to tell them the good news that Christ has paid the penalty for their sin. Uh, and they must receive, repent and receive him. So we get to share here, just like we do everywhere, that it's uh, faith in Christ alone. You know, again, it's, it's not that we're commanded to give. We get to give. And one of the things I believe with all my heart, the reason God has blessed Lindsay Lane Baptist Church through the years is because we've been a giving church. We've been a missional church. We've been involved in missions. We love on missionaries. We're sending people all over the world and even right here at home. So I just pray that our people continue to catch that vision and learn to give because we get to give. I'm Dusty McLemore. And I'm Eric Pugh. And we, we will give, give to go. Amen, amen. I like the uh, phrase Pastor Dusty used, we get to give. And you will be getting to give uh, next Sunday. On your way out, we have these special give-to-go uh, envelopes, so you can go ahead and prep uh, that for your giving time on next Sunday. There will be people at all of the doors uh, giving those out on the way out. Also, uh, this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to have a prayer uh, team that is going to be meeting uh, right behind the sanctuary in the counseling room, and they're going to be specifically praying for all of our mission partners and all of our missions uh, missionaries who will be coming in for our mission celebration. That will be this Wednesday night at 5.45 to uh, 6.15, so you'll have plenty of time uh, to get back in here for worship and stuff on Wednesday night. And again, that'll be uh, in the counseling room right behind the sanctuary. Don't forget those Lion Farms tickets are on sale in our gathering space for our family night uh, coming up next month. And we've also got a trunk or treat coming up in about a month also. We need candy, candy and trunks. Uh, for that event. So if you've got a trunk or you want to uh, donate some candy, you can drop that candy in any of the bins around our church and uh, we'll put it to good use uh, again at our trunk retreat coming up here shortly. It's been a great day. Everybody say amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. And we thank you that we uh, get to serve a holy, holy, holy God, Lord. We thank you for your word today. We thank you that we could be in this place and uh, worship you. And even looking forward to next week, we thank you that we get to give. We thank you for the baptismal waters being stirred uh, once again, Lord. And we just pray that we'll be good stewards of everything that you give us and uh, bless us with, Lord. And as we leave this place, Lord, may our guests be on the table. May we be willing to sacrifice for your glory and for the good of man. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.